Acts chapter 7, verses 1 through 8. The Bible says, Then the high priest said, Are these things so? And, uh, and, he, and he's talking to Stephen, who's on trial uh, before the Jewish Sanhedrin, the, the, the ruling class of the day, the, the, basically the religious government of the day. And he said, Brethren and fathers, listen. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran and said to him, Get out of your country from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. Then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. And from there, when his father was dead, he moved him to this land in which you now dwell. And he's speaking to the Israelites who are in the land of Israel. And God gave him no inheritance in him, not even enough to set his foot on. But even when Abraham had no child, he, God, promised to give it to him for a possession and to his descendants after him. But God spoke in this way that his descendants would dwell in a foreign land and that they would bring them into bondage and oppress them 400 years. And the nation to whom they will be in bondage, I will judge, said God, and after that they shall come out and serve me in this place. And then he gave them the covenant of circumcision, and so Abraham begot Isaac and circumcised them on the eighth day, and Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot the 12 patriarchs. So a little bit of background in the book of Acts. Um, after the situation with the widow's distribution was corrected, and if you didn't know what happened there, uh, the Bible was spreading uh, in Acts um, chapter, uh, the Bible was, was the, 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 the Bible, the, uh, the gospel, I'm sorry, was spreading, uh, was moving prolifically, but there was a little bit of um, prejudice is the right word, between uh, this, it was spreading all among Jewish people. There were no, it was not spreading to Gentiles yet, but there was prejudice between Jews that spoke Hebrew and Jews that spoke Greek. And the prejudice began to come out whenever they were distributing um, food to the widows because it seemed like what they would do is they would give it to the widows that spoke Hebrew first, and then whatever is left would go to the Greek-speaking widows. And, you know, one week, okay, two weeks, okay, but all of a sudden, three, four, five, we're starting to think, hey, something's not right here, and a great disturbance uh, came up. And so the apostles had to get in, and they had to correct that. So after that situation was corrected, the Bible tells us that the word of, in Acts 6, 7 through 8, the word of God spread. The number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith, and Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Now, Stephen had been one of the deacons that was chosen during that widow's uh, uh, conflict to help bring uh, correction into that area. So he was a deacon, but obviously not only was he a deacon, he had... He was full of the Holy Spirit, full of power, full of faith. We talked about that, I believe, last week. So Stephen's activity aroused opposition from members of the synagogues uh, that were in that place. And when Stephen's opponents could not get the better of him, they induced uh, some people to make public charges against him, testifying that hey, they had heard him blaspheming against Moses and against God. So that outcry raised by the Greek-speaking Jews provoked the people generally together with the members of the Sanhedrin, and they moved them to arrest Stephen and to investigate the matter. And the Jews alleged that Stephen was continuously attacking the temple and the law. Stephen's speech is not a defense designed to win his freedom. The main intention of his preaching is to turn the tables on his opponents by offering an extensive indictment against them. What we want to look at in this part of Stephen's speech is not so much the context of why he was given the speech and all that, even though that's important for a background, 
but the information that he reveals uh, during his speech concerning God's call and Abraham's response to that call. So even though we're looking at Stephen, what we're really going to be looking at is Abraham and the call of God that was given to Abraham through Stephen's eyes, okay? So the first point we want to look at is God appeared to Abraham, Acts 7, 1 through 2. The high priest said, are these things so? And he said, brethren and fathers, listen, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran. So the thing that's important to recognize about God is that God always is. It's not he was, he will be, God is. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is. He is yesterday. That doesn't make sense grammatically, but he is yesterday, he is today, he is forever. He was not created, he did not have a beginning, but instead he is the creator of our beginnings, right? John 4 and 24, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. 2 Corinthians 4.18, while we do not look at the things which are seen, talking about the natural world, but that the things which are not seen, talking about the spiritual world, for the things which are seen are temporary, the natural world, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So what I'm trying to get you to realize is that God is not a fruit of this natural world. God is a spirit. God was uh, is and always shall be. He is, is really the right way to say that, past, present, future. And this world that we live in was created out of God's realm, the heavenly realm, the spiritual realm, birth the natural realm. Okay? So the natural realm, and this is just kind of uh, for your information, in the spiritual realm there is no time. In the natural realm, if you do any kind of study, physics, which I did very very little, I know very little, other than uh, you have length, width, height, and space-time. <laughs> you have dimensions, and one of the dimensions of this natural realm is space-time, right? And space-time can, uh, is not, is relative, so it changes depending on how fast you're going, where you put your perspective, whatever the case may be. Uh, space-time is not a constant, uh, but the reality is God is a constant, and so God is outside of time. Space-time is under his control. He can look at the past. He can look at the present. He can look at the future all at the same time because he created it, and he's bigger than that. Okay? So that being said, if God is, which the Bible says he is, yet God is hid hidden from our eyes because God is a spirit, and we are we, we, were, we were created as spiritual beings, but the bottom line is when we were separated from God, our spirits uh, died, became dormant, uh, whatever, however you want to put it. I'm not quite sure the right theological term for that, but the bottom line is uh, we became rational beings instead of spiritual beings. Our mind, will, and emotions became uh, the, uh, the way that we process information, and that connection that we had spirit to spirit with God was no longer there. We used to be spirit beings, but now we became mind beings, logical beings, whatever the case may be. But then what happened was um, uh, at that particular time, we were cut off from the Lord. Just like Adam was cast out of the garden and we were all in Adam, we were separated from God who is a spirit. And so if God is, yet God is hidden from our eyes because we no longer see things spiritually, we try to attain things spiritually. Religions try to attain things spiritually, but we cannot do that unless we are born again. Uh, but yet if God is hidden from our eyes, how can anyone know him? Right? So the first, we already 
really touched the first point. We, humanity, were created in relationship with him. Genesis 1, 27 through 28, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Uh, um, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. What happened? Romans 3:23. for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We were separated from our relationship with God. Second, even though we have drifted from God, this is the point of what we want to look at. God makes himself known. We think we can find God, but in actuality, God came looking for us, right? What do we do? What did Adam do when he sinned, when him, him and Eve sinned in the garden? They went and hid and tried to hide themselves uh, with fig leaves. And by the way, there's another topic for another message. Why fig leaves? Fig leaves hurt. They're not smooth. They hurt. So in some ways, you try to punish yourself for the things that you do, right? So anyway, they don't want to be around God. They're trying to hide from God. How did Adam get found? God came looking for him. Adam, where are you? And it wasn't a location thing. It's like, Adam, where are you? Right? God came looking for Adam, and how can we know God if we're separated from him? Because God makes himself known. Psalms 19 and 1, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Now that I'm a Christian, and I look at the universe, and I look at creation, and I look at how everything was created, I marvel at what God has done. I, 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 you can go macro and big, and look at, at, and every time I do this, it just makes me, it, it just makes, it blows my mind, the incredible distance that there is in the cosmos, in the universe, you know, and how it'll take you uh, uh, 100,000 light years to get across our galaxy, something like that. Maybe it's 1,000 light years to get across our galaxy. That's traveling at the speed of light for 1,000 years or 100,000, whichever one it is. I can't, I don't remember right now. But then that's just our galaxy. You might think, wow, that's incredible. That's the size of the universe. No, that's just our galaxy. What they found is that there are hundreds of billions of galaxies in the universe that they can see that are much bigger than ours. Our sun, which is huge, is just a little pebble to some other suns in the universe. God created this in an instant. Let there be light. God created all this. He's incredible. You can see him macroly, but if you're separated from God, you, you believe a lie. You believe that we came. I mean, it's, it's, for me, it's harder to believe in evolution than it is to be, believe in creation. Because to believe in evolution, you have to, you have to debunk what's known about science. Uh, well, for instance, one of the laws of thermodynamics, uh, I, can't, I don't know if it's the law of thermodynamics, but one of the laws of, of uh, there are three general laws, and one of them is the law of entropy. And things don't go, I think it's the law of entropy. <laughs> Somebody's going to kind of check me or fact check me, and they're going to say, man, you, you don't know nothing about science. And I agree, I agree. Okay, but that's where uh, uh, basically things don't go from uh, or, uh, disorder to order. They go from order to disorder. But you have to violate that law to believe in evolution. It doesn't work, right? So it takes more faith 
for me to believe in evolution that I came from a cell because you start thinking, well, wait a minute. So you came from one cell. Well, how does one cell become two cells and then decide one's going to be male and one's going to be female and then they can't propagate? How, how is that going to happen? How are you going to get consciousness? Right? Okay, maybe you can't. You, it, you can't. It'll never happen. You can put all the parts. I like to watch these watch videos on TV. And they, it's amazing. They start taking apart. They start taking apart. And I said, forget it. I'll never get it back together. Because, you know, you might think I can do that, you know. And then they got like 100 parts. And how is that all going to go together? 1,000 parts. How is that all going to go together? You can shake that for thousands, millions, billions. And it'll never become a watch. Never. Right? But let's just say, for the sake of argument, that after a couple of billion uh, years, there was a semblance of a watch, then how is it going to develop consciousness? Hello? It takes more faith to believe in that than to believe that there's a creator. So the reason I got all that is to, to, the universe itself declares the glory of God. Right? Romans 1 and 20, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they, people, us, we are without excuse. We can believe the lie. We can explain it away. That's our privilege. It's our, it's, it's, God gives us, gives us free will, but we can't deny it. It's there. In our text, God makes himself known to Abraham. He reveals himself to Abraham. Later on, we're going to see that he made himself known to Moses as well. In Exodus 3, verse 2 through 6, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him, to who? Moses, in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. And so he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. I heard something really good about that. Uh, um, you know, a lot of times we wonder, why isn't God speaking to us? Is God speaking to us? But see, we want God to speak to us, and then we'll turn aside. God's waiting for us to turn aside so that he can speak to us trying to get our attention. There was a period of time when I was seeing numbers. I'd see the same numbers, you know, all the time. Uh, 411, 1111-11. I would see them all the time. And, you know, I could just go on, but i see it again and again and again and again. I said, I wonder if there's something in that. What was happening? I was turning aside. And then when I turned aside, that's when God began to speak to me about these things. I, I don't believe in uh, coincidence. I just, I just don't. I, I believe in a God that can order things in our life. So anyway, uh, when the Lord saw that Moses turned aside, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father. Well, he didn't say it that way. I am. He said, I am <laughs> the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. I've been spending uh, too much time around you southerners here. Anyway, I want you to know that God is still revealing himself today. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 8, Paul, uh, Paul says, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. He was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the great part remained to the present. But some had fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. 
1 Corinthians 1.21, For since in the wisdom of God the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. So how does God reveal himself today? Through people that testify, that have had experience with God, and through people who proclaim that this is Jesus and what Jesus has done in my life. I know God is real. You know how I know God is real? And I know God's word is true because I was a whoever who called upon the name of the Lord. And this whoever, because according to Scripture, when he called upon the name of the Lord, I experienced salvation. God promised it. I believed it. I uh, 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 walked into it, and I experienced it. Well, how do you know it's real? How do you know God's real? Because I can look at my life pre-salvation, and I look at my life post-salvation. And I want to tell you something. The way I was going, I would never be where I'm at without God. God saved me. God changed my life. I know God is real, right, because I have a testimony. I am a fruit of an experience that I have with God, and I can help other people find God by proclaiming him, by making him known, right? Second point we want to look at, God spoke to Abraham, Acts 7, 3 through 4. He said to him, Get out of your country from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. He came out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. And from there, when his father was dead, he moved him to this land in which he now dwelt. Now, what I want to look at in this section is not the idea that God spoke to Abraham as much as what God spoke to Abraham. God said to Abraham, Get out of his country, leave your relatives, go to a land that I will reveal to you. What is the key for us in this point is that God is calling Abraham to leave the familiar and the, sh- and the secure, and in the context of this call, God was also giving Abraham a promise. So Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to the disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow after me. In order to follow Jesus, in order to experience God, not just when you get saved, but throughout your Christian life, you're going to find that he's going to consistently call you to leave the familiar. He's going to consistently ask you to leave your familiar surroundings, the place where you're comfortable. And he's going to say, I've got something I want to show you, something I want to do in your life, but in order for me to to, to show you, not in order, but I, I want to show you, but if you want to hear what I have to say, if you want to experience what I have to say, then I'm going to ask you to trust me and leave the familiar. I remember when I was first going to Bible school, and, and um, I wanted to learn how to pray. And I had been praying, but my prayers... <laughs> We're just kind of ritual. I didn't know any different. I want to learn how to pray. And, uh, and I began to ask the Lord to show me how to pray, and I've told you that story before. But one of the things that I, that I began to, to do in order to have time with the Lord is the Bible says, early in the morning shall I seek you. Now, I was never a really early riser. I was never, I, I would get up at 6 or 7 to go play tennis. I did that all my life. Um, you know, but I began to realize, that I, well, okay, i got to go to work at 6, because uh, I, I drive a bus, and so if I want to spend two hours with the Lord, then I need to get up at four, right? So, but wait a minute, uh, four is unfamiliar for me, right? Uh, going to bed, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna get up at four, you know, my mind goes through all the things. If I'm gonna get up at four and I want to get at least six hours of sleep, I got to get up at ten. I got to go to bed at ten, right? 
And so I began to rearrange my skill. And I want to tell you something. That's not easy to do. When you're used to doing something a certain way and then you're trying to change the way you do things, it takes a lot of um, perseverance. It takes a lot of, um, of determination to say, no, this is what I want. I can imagine Abraham saying, I want God's blessing. I want God's promise. Uh, I mean, it's, it's easy to turn around. It's hard to get going, but I really want, so I'm just going to stick this through. And he didn't, he didn't, God didn't show him right away. And there were stages in his journey, but the bottom line is I had to leave my comfortable place. When I, I'm a very rote habitual, you can ask my wife, I like to do the same things all the time. I like to go to bed at the same time every night. I like to wake up at the same time every morning. I like to eat the same food every day. I mean, you say, you're kidding. No, really. I'm I'm just very much like that, you know. And so to change requires a lot for me, but I really want to wait. So I began to change. And then, you you know, why are you doing that? You know, uh, why is this happening? And I realized, you know, that when I would go home and visit my family, I said, well, I still want to get up at 4, so I'd go to bed at 10. I was called an old man. You're an old, you're a, you're an old man, and you're just 20, you know. I said, well, I, I know you don't understand, but I want God. And I have to leave the land of familiar to, to find the land of promise. Basically, that's what I'm talking about. Matthew 10, 37 through 39. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life, who loses his, his, his uh, when I say life, it's talking about your real life, but it also talks about your familiar life, what you're used to, what you're comfortable with. For my sake, we'll find it. Luke 18, 28 through 30, Peter says, See, we have left all and followed you. And Jesus said to them, Surely I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. Right? Um, I just thought running through my mind. When I did get saved, um, I had to leave a lot of things. I've told you about having to leave. I uh, felt like the Lord said, I want you to leave your soccer behind, and I want you to start going to church on Sunday morning. Um, but before I got there, you know, I was, uh, uh, we were, we, I found out we were Catholic, even though we never went to church. And the way I found out we were Catholic is because I got saved going to Anna's church. And I came home and said, Dad, I'm saved. He said, remember, you're Catholic. And I, but I already knew that Catholic meant universal. So he didn't say, you're Roman Catholic. He just said, you're Catholic. I said, okay, I'm Catholic, but I'm going to go to this church. He said, okay, no problem. But I had to leave what our family, even though we never went, but our, I had to leave that, what would you call that, that um, identity and leave my whole family behind because I was the only one. Now, I, was, I was the only one that was not only not a Catholic, I was the only one that was going to church. But worse than that, I was, I was now a non-Catholic. I was a Protestant, Protestant, right? But you know what happened? I wanted the Lord. And I left. And I'm not trying to in any way elevate because the Lord led me. He's guiding me. But I'm just trying to show you 
that life is not always easy as a Christian. You've got to leave the, the familiar to go where he was leading. But eventually, my brothers followed me. My mother followed me. My dad followed me. My friends followed me. They all followed me. But you had to have one. And the same with Abraham. Eventually, he had all this multitude that came after him. But you had to have one to go first. And that one that goes first has to leave the unfamiliar behind. What if you're that one? You hear what I'm saying? Third thing. What time is it? I don't have a clock. Okay, I got 25 minutes. All right. Third thing. I'll try to finish before that. But third thing. God promised Abraham. Third point. Acts 7, 5 through 7. God gave Abraham no inheritance in it. Remember, this is Stephen talking about revealing things about Abraham. Not even enough to set his foot on, but even when Abraham had no child, he promised to give it to him for a possession and to his descendants after him. But God spoke in this way, that his descendants would dwell in a foreign land, and they would bring them into bondage and oppress them for 400 years. And the nation to whom they will be in bondage, I will judge, said God. And after that, they shall come out and serve me in this place. So God promised Abraham land and descendants. Now, what I want you to see in this point is that God didn't give Abraham the land and the descendants. He gave Abraham his word. He didn't, give him, he didn't give him a title deed to the land. He gave him his promise. Right? Abraham, if you will follow me and do what I, what I will ask you to do, this is what I'm going to do for you. What did Abraham have really? He had God's word and God's word to Abraham would be what Abraham based his entire life going forward on. Second Samuel seven twenty eight. And now, O Lord, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised this goodness to your servant. Isaiah fifty five ten through and eleven. For as the rain comes down, the snow from heaven, and does not return there, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and I sh it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. What I'm trying to get you to see, and we'll go a little bit more in this, but what I want you to understand is that God's word is true. And God's Word has everything in it necessary to bring it to pass. Our responsibility is to believe. We're the soil in which the Word of God is. We don't make the Word. We don't bring power to the Word. We release the power that's in the Word. How do we release the power that's in the Word? By believing the Word. Right? We don't create. God creates. We believe. And our belief, like the seed that's planted in the ground, our belief, our faith is good ground in which the Word of God can grow. In that seed of the Word of God is everything it needs to become all that it's supposed to be. But all it needs is it needs a ground where it can find, where it can take root. And the ground in, in the spiritual sense is, is a believing heart. Someone that will believe God's Word and keep that Word of God in their hearts and believe it and hold on to it and let it take root. And as it takes root, it begins to grow. But the power is not in your faith. The power is in the Word. But it just like it takes water and sunshine to cause the seed to grow, it does take faith. Faith is an element that allows the seed to to become what it was sent 
to be. We'll make a sense here. Okay, Ezekiel 12, 25. For I am the Lord, I speak, and the word which I speak will come to pass. It will not be postponed. For in your days, O rebellious house, I will say the word and perform it, says the Lord God. Romans 3 and 4. 4. Certainly not. Indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar. And it is written that you may be justified in your words and may overcome when you are judged. Hebrews 4 and 12. For the word of God is living and powerful. See, a lot of the word of God is amazing. This is a word. But the word of God was written down. So if you're not careful, you, you read this word of God as history. Right? And it is history. It is that. But it's more than that. God is. God is his word. And the Bible says in Hebrews 4 and 12, not that the Bible was alive, the word of God was alive. The Bible says the word of God is living. What does that mean? It's more than just words on a page. It's more than just a historical account because God, who spoke the word, still is. His word is alive. It's living. And it's, it says, and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the vision of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So I can read the word of God as history, and it's valuable to me. But if I read the word of God in history, but also God's Word is alive today because God is just as present today as He was back then, then I realize that God can speak to me through His Word that was written down historically today. And what He did in historical times, He can do in my time as well because it's the same God who released the same Word. When I see what God did in Peter's life, when I see how God restored Peter, it's not just, that's a great story. It is, I realize that in some ways, when I'm Peter, God also restores and can restore, if I trust him, me as well. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's living. It's not just relevant to Peter. It becomes relevant to me because it's a living word. And when we recognize that, it has the power to change our lives. I am what I am today. <laughs> Where's my wife? Olive oil. I am what I am, and that's all that I am. I am what I am today. Not that I'm this great guy, but I'm, I'm better than what I was. I am what I am today because of God's Word and the power of His Word. And I assure you that who I am today is not who I was. And I'm a better man today than I was because of Jesus in my life. Right? Romans 3, uh, uh, he, uh, okay, uh, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, Hebrews 4 and 12, and joints and mirror, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Abraham believed God, took God at his word, and going forth at God's promise, he walked to the land, and God's word, what we will see, indeed bore fruit in Abraham's life when Abraham believed God's word. He had nothing except for God's word. But what I want you to see is that God's word was everything. How can it be everything? <laughs> it's just a word. But the word of God is true. 
The Word of God is powerful. The Word of God is settled in the heavenly realms. The Word of God is alive. And so if I have God's Word, I can walk on the Word. What do you mean I can walk on the Word? When, when Peter saw Jesus walking on the water, he said, Bid me come, you know, and, and, you know, if it's really you. And he said, Come. What was, and then Peter got out and he started walking on the water. But even though the Bible doesn't say this, he really wasn't walking on the water because if he would have walked on the water just a minute before, he would have sunk, just like we all do. So what was he really walking on? He was walking on the power of Jesus' word who said, come. Right? So we can walk on God's word. When we have a word from God, it will create bridges. It will create ways it will create if we trust in his word god's word is alive and powerful and abraham believed god enough to leave where he was at behind and go and what we're going to find is that god's word indeed bore fruit in abraham's life well how come god's word is not bearing fruit in my life because there's an if then to god's word there's always an if then god says if you will do this i will do this we want god to do it then we'll do our part god says no you do your part and then i'll do my part well i want to see it before i do it god says no do it and then you'll see it but i don't have anything you have my word well i don't like that yeah our logical rational minds don't like that but spiritually by faith that's how we trust God. That's how the kingdom of God works. Again, like I tell you before, in our natural world, currency is, uh, uh, money is the currency of this world. In the spiritual realm, faith is the currency of the kingdom. Believe, trust. What does faith lo look like? You hear what God's saying to you. You believe what God's saying to you, not just with your mind, but enough to change your actions to wreck, uh, to to. to what I'm looking for, to, congru to become congruent with what God says, right? I believe you, God. I believe that you're doing this in my life. Well, how come you're not changing your life in accordance with what you believe? Well, I believe it up here, but you haven't believed it up down here. I, I, I won't know you believe it down here until your feet match up with what you're saying. Your actions have to match what you say, right? Faith without works is no faith at all faith without works is dead okay so let's get to the last point the last thing we want to see is that god gave abraham Acts 7 and 8 then god gave abraham the covenant of circumcision and so abraham begot isaac circumcised him on the eighth day and isaac begot jacob and jacob begot the 12 patriarchs and 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 so on and so on and so on so god gave abraham more than just a promise to him alone and this is really if you'll just hang with me for this last point, it, it'll blow your mind. It blew my mind. God gave Abraham more than just a promise to him alone. God gave Abraham a multi-generational covenant of blessing. Multi-generational covenant of blessing. Not only did God promise to be Abraham's God and to bless Abraham, but God gave his word that he would be bound to Abraham's descendants as well. What you may not realize is that Stephen, who is preaching here, is making this speech and is talking to Abraham's descendants. 
the Jewish people. He is talking to the very fruit of Abraham's promise from God that was made to him thousands of years earlier. Stephen is talking to the realization, the fruit, if you will, of God's promise to him. He is literally talking to Abraham's descendants in the land of Israel, which Israel is Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, who also received the promise of Abraham, the promise of Isaac, the promise of Jacob, whose name became Israel. He is literally talking to Abraham's descendants in the land which he said to Abraham, walk this land, and everywhere where you walk, I'm going to give it to you. Abraham never got the fruit of that. He got a cave of Machpelah where he buried his wife Sarah, but he never saw the title deed to the land. But was God faithful to Abraham? Was God faithful to his promise? Yes, even though Abraham didn't see the full realization of that, God said, I have bound myself to you, Abraham. I've bound myself to you and your descendants after you. And Stephen is talking to many thousands of years later to the very people that are the fruit of the promise that God made to Abraham. That blows my mind. They were, the experience, were experiencing the manifestation of God's faithfulness to his covenant promise to Abraham. John 1, 11 through 13. He came to his own, the people of Israel, and his own did not receive him. But as many as did receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You see, he may have known it. You get glimpses of it when it comes to Abraham. But the Israelites, they thought that the multitude of descendants that would come from Abraham were going to be natural descendants. And there were a multitude that came naturally. It was through Isaac that you're going to be blessed. But if you read Paul, Paul began to show it's not just those that are of the blood of Israel, it's those that are of the faith of Abraham. Whether they be Jewish or non-Jewish. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God to the salvation of those who believe to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. As Gentiles, we were engrafted into the vine, just like the Jews had been part of the vine. We were engrafted into the vine. And so God's promise was far bigger than anything that Abraham could comprehend. I want to know, I want you to know, we serve an awesome and sometimes if we're not careful, we think it's just about me. And God is good to me. He's awesomely good to me. But I think one day when I get to heaven and history is over and I see all that God did, I'm going to say, wow, God, I never thought that my little walk with you would make such an impact in life. Look at Abraham. I mean, I mean, if Abraham was here, I bet he would say, I never thought that my walk with you would make this kind of an impact in life. Why in some way, some microcosmic way, are we not something like Abraham? We're not Abraham, but like Abraham, as we walk and leave the land of the familiar to go after God, why is it that we have Abraham's story written down? We have Stephen preaching about Abraham. In heaven, we'll have our story written down. And how many of us may not realize, but we will then, that the way that Abraham's life played out, our life may play out the same if we will just follow after God, trust God, believe God, 
God has far greater in store, not just to you, but through you. He is an awesome, amazing, just marvelous God. Thank you.